Welcome to Homeschool Mama Self-Care. I'm Teresa Wiedrich at CapturingTheCharmLife.com. I'm here to help you turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. If you are a homeschool mama looking for a strategy or a few for your self-care, then this is the podcast for you. Today, I get to introduce you to Robin Robertson of Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids podcast. Robin is an unschooling mom to two kids, podcast host and public school board trustee. Robin, her husband and their two kids started their world schooling journey in 2012. During this time, Robin watched curiosity and excitement for life grow in her family. Two things stood out to her. She noticed that less time in school did not equal less learning. In fact, learning seemed to be more meaningful outside school. She also saw their family's bond strengthen. Her experiences traveling while home educating had Robin questioning her past beliefs around parenting, how we learn, and the education system. It also highlighted the need for community. This led Robin to launch her podcast, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, which is a platform to share ideas, stories, and information about the joys and challenges of home education and self-directed learning. It also serves as a place to bring together a collective voice for change in the broader education system. Today, Robin advocates politically for home education and self-directed learning. With her experience and trustee position, she bridges the gaps between the homeschool community and local educators. You can find her through her website, podcast, or on Facebook and Instagram at Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. It's a real pleasure to chat with you in person over Zoom <laughs> today. You are by far the top podcaster that I listen to, um, and I'm a podcast listener. I love podcasts. It's a form of self-care, really, for me, using all those moments of boredom, like sweeping the floor and washing the dishes. Okay, my kids would say they wash the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I listen to podcasts, and I haven't caught up entirely with your podcast, but as of yesterday, there is a very interesting podcast episode about mothering mothers that I'm looking forward to chatting with you about. Thank you. I am pleased to be here, and it's great because I know you and I get to see each other right now, which is nice. So I am very grateful that you asked me to come on. Thank you. So tell me about your family. I've um, already mentioned in the bio that you're an unschooled family and you've done a lot of traveling, which ironically is my scenario as well. And um, tell me more about your children and about your homeschool journey. Well, I have two children. Right now, my son is actually turning 14 and my daughter is 11 years old. And we began our homeschool journey because my husband and I came to a point where we wanted to make a change in our life. And we had been going through really, actually, I think the process had been over quite a few years, although once we made the choice, it happened quite quickly. But, you know, we came to a point where we had all of these things that we wanted to do and that we wanted to continue when we first had our family, when we first started our family. And we found that we were really putting them off and started pursuing other things that really didn't align with our family values when it came down to it. We were getting off our chosen track that we wanted to be on. So to get back on that track, one of the things that we wanted to do was kind of take a leap of faith in some ways and 
go traveling because my husband and I had been avid travelers before as a child, my parents, uh, I, I lived in many different countries because of my dad's work and my parents liked to travel and my husband and I traveled together and separately when we were younger as teenagers and, and up until the point we got married and while we were married. And we wanted our kids, my family that lived abroad, we wanted them to have a chance to get to know them better too. And so we decided to rent out our place and go traveling. And we chose Jamaica was our first stop because that's where my dad is from. That's where he lives. That's where I have a lot of family. And we thought homeschooling just happened to be the easiest choice. And that's really why we chose it. We, you know, we had looked at some schools in Jamaica, but in the end, we realized that we enjoyed making our own schedule. If we wanted to go to the other side of the island to see family or friends, then we could. We didn't have to wait for school to be done or, you know, to have that space. If we wanted to spend the entire day or, or afternoon at the beach, which we did most days, we took advantage of that while we were there, we could. And it just gave us that flexibility. So we chose to homeschool and we continued traveling after that. We went moved to South Korea after that as well. And you know, it really was an evolving journey because I always thought that we would come back to Canada and just go back to our life as is, that the kids would go back to school. We uh, would go back to, you know, I took a leave of absence from my job for six months thinking I would, I would be back in time and it didn't happen that way. And I think one of the biggest gifts of it all was the homeschool experience because we got to experience a life of pleasure, of curiosity, of fun and learning that, you know, my kids definitely loved, they had a great school before, but it's different. You know, the actual life experience and application, we really fell into that. And the, I think it's the bond, the relationship that grew with our family, that we really became more connected. And that's what really kept us in homeschooling, which evolved into unschooling because I started out very structured and then as time went on you know I you know the kids I really let them take the lead and I saw still that their learning was just so engaged and it was so full without me having to plan lessons without me saying that you have this time to complete this thing that really they could go and create what they wanted to do and it was pretty amazing to see. And then I found out it happened to be unschooling. So <laughs> our stories sound very similar. Just do even, they? Yeah. yeah, they do. Even just like the jumping off the, um, we did the jumping off the homeschooling and travel world uh, mm -hmm. for about the same reasons, for the same reasons that you were talking about. And I think being around um, or homeschooling long enough, you do discover that I don't need to put quite so much effort into this because I'm almost counterproductive when I'm enforcing all the rules or the ways of learning. Yeah. And they're amazing when you watch them, especially if they're bored. But um, that was really informative. But even just the traveling itself, I think, had such a profound impact on how we saw the world mm -hmm. and it shifted how we I think how we engaged our lives more, certainly, I'll just represent myself, but my sense of purpose became stronger. And for me, those, you know, put that together with a discussion on self-care. And I think that's like pivotal, that how you feel about yourself, how you see your world, how you engage your world, what you think is your purpose actually incredibly influences how you homeschool and yeah. how you are in your homeschool world and how you or whether you enjoy your homeschool. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. I think, I think what happens, I, I know you know this as well. Um, as you, as you get more into something like self-directed learning, especially in unschooling, but I think even when you're doing other forms of homeschooling, it's the same. You realize that a lot of, you know, you're the way, if you want to call it teaching, but I, you know, I think we usually say we're supports, we're facilitators, we're guides, we're helpers in that way. But in the way that we do teach, so much of it is modeling for our children. So when they see us in a life of purpose, in a life of joy or contentment, um, you know, doing things that also interested, interest us as well, when we're taking care of ourselves, when we're taking space, when we are engaged in learning, that is just as much an expression of um, showing or teaching for them in their learning life. So I think it's absolutely important for sure. So tell me about your self-care journey or your more, greater awareness about yourself as you have been homeschooling. Mm. Um, I think... Well, I think, and you can let me know if this happened to you too, but I think in the very beginning, because you're so gung-ho and you want things to be so perfect, I think in a way. And I, so I, for me, I replicated school in the beginning. That's what I knew. So that's what I did. And so everything is, you put so much into the planning and the ideas and the worry that you aren't doing something or aren't creating something that you can almost go overboard and do a little bit too much or become a little bit uh, too concerned, too tired. You know, you dream about the projects you're making or, you know, th- those things. It becomes all-encompassing and it's actually interesting. And thank you very much for the compliment on the podcast. I, um, I appreciate that. Uh, my friend Amanda Kermy was on the last episode, Mothering the Mother. She had also talked about this, Have how when you're a home educator, it encompasses our life 24-7 pretty well when you're with your kids that much. And because of that, it is so important to take that time for self-care. And I think what happened is after a while, I realized that because I came to the point where I had to, or else I just wasn't, I wasn't as good, nice of a person. I, you know, I was short with the kids. I was not as enthusiastic as engaged. And it was a disservice to us all. So I think what happened was I started deliberately taking the time and, and that changed from year to year. It's different now than even when it was three years ago or four years ago. Um, for me, it looks like, it looks like I, I still, I'm, I love my meditation practice and it's kind of fallen off a little bit during these COVID times, but um, I really went back into meditation. That was a huge self-care um, part for me really large actually. And it was some journaling, taking the mornings. I'm a morning person. So my time when I had just me by myself was the early morning. So I would wake up and journal and meditate. And I even extended, there was a time when I took, when before I was doing any podcasting or any other work, I would take a personal vacation every year. (laughs) My husband and I had made an arrangement where I had a week to 10 days by myself or with friends. Yeah, it was actually very enriching. And I would do things like hiking. We, friends and I hiked the West Coast Trail. I did um, meditation retreats. Vipassana meditation is the style of meditation that I usually like to practice. So they have a 10-day silent retreat. So I went back to that practice. Um, You know, things like that where I took time out uh, to rejuvenate for the year coming was important. 
And now it has evolved. I, I'm not taking that time away like I used to. I think partly as well because I am doing other work, other projects for myself, whether it's my podcast and working with the homeschooling community. I also am a school board trustee, so that also takes me out of the home. But it's still my morning rituals, which then grounds me for the day. Journaling, my quiet coffee in the morning, meditation, those are still important practices that I keep. So yeah, it's an evolving journey, but it's been a very important one for our family life and our homeschooling life too. There have been so many moms that would say to me, um, I can't homeschool. Or, you know, when you, you meet them in the public and they say, I don't think I could homeschool. I couldn't do that. Now, ironically, mm-hmm. the entire world has done some form of home learning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they look at me, their jaws drop, and they go, I couldn't do that, which, of course, is what I also said once upon a time. I'm not patient <laughs> enough. I'm like, yeah, well, that definitely is me. And I'm still doing it. But I have to say that the biggest thing that people are most concerned about is not getting their own time, which on one hand, I say, "Uh, yeah, you should be concerned. (laughs) It can be encompassing if you structure it a certain way. And certainly when they're under a certain age, yep, it's really challenging to go to the bathroom by yourself. Um, so let alone all the other things you could add as self-care, like toiletting alone is <laughs> the top, the top that doesn't list. happen for a few years. It seems no. like, yeah, <laughs> not if you have more than one child under five, no. <laughs> yeah. And actually my 18 year old last year, <laughs> also. but anyway, um, toileting is good, but actually involving your doing things that you want to do that are pleasurable or that are expanding your learning or like you said a week of alone time amazing that is amazing for me but when I even have three hours of alone time I come back like a new mother yeah yeah (laughs) but people think that they can't do this stuff and I understand why they think that but we become stronger in our boundaries if we are determined to set aside I say just 15 minutes in my book just 15 minutes for anything. And that grows. If you love the thing enough, it grows. Or if you see the benefit of it, it grows. And it's a practice. It's definitely a boundary thing between our kids and ourselves. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of those, I was born a mother kind of people who always said I wanted to be a mom. So I think for people that knew me way back, they'd be surprised that I would say I intentionally do things that are outside my children Because though I love my children, I think there's a certain line that is crossed, especially when we're homeschooling parents and with them all the time, where we're trying to help them and rescue them and create schedules for them or enable their social opportunities or whatever. And at a certain point, we just need to let go, let them do their thing and then go do something else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because... I was actually the opposite. I didn't, I didn't plan to even get married. I was always, and I think, I mean, I understand now why just because of my, I think probably my examples that I had growing up, I thought I'll be fine if I have my career and I'm single and I don't have a family. And so having a family and having kids was, I absolutely am happy I made that choice but it wasn't something as a young person that people, you know, and my friends would say, oh, we know that you're going to, you know, get married and have a family and do this. The joke was always that I would be the one that would never get married, that I'd be single all my <laughs> life. <laughs> but I see, yeah, that how 
you know, the importance of having those boundaries and taking that time, even if it is yet yeah, 10 minutes out, going for a walk outside for 10 minutes kind of thing, or just sitting on a chair quietly outside that you can almost give yourself over at, at a point, you know, in, in mothering and whether you're homeschooling or not, I think sometimes, you know, you, I also think what happens is sometimes our, our identity gets wrapped up with our children. So what happens is, is separating ourselves from our children, even if it's for self-care time. I don't know if it's guilt that becomes, you know, that whole worthiness thing or that we see ourselves, that need to just always be there because we see ourselves in them or are trying to have a reflection of ourselves in them. And it overpowers the sensibility <laughs> of being a separate being and then allowing them to be a separate being. Because if we don't separate ourselves from our kids, I mean, how can we give them their own individuality? How can we let them be self-directed? How can we let them grow into their own? That so has it absolutely is been a challenge for me. Yeah. And I mm -hmm. re recognize what you just said is it has been a challenge through me or with me and my children the entire time because I did have a, I don't share this a lot, but I actually had a really challenging childhood and the people that know me know the stories, but because of that, I've definitely tried to overcompensate no question. Yeah. And so then you project on the, your child and you say, I want this perfect thing. That would be why I named my blog Capturing the Charm Life. Mm. And then eventually I decided to keep that because I think instinctively we all want to create that charmed life. Um, but learning that you're projecting on your child, oh, that's challenging because then you're not really seeing them. But I was talking with another um, podcast interview we, a couple of weeks ago, and she had said just what you said, that we project on our children. And then they can't develop and become who they were meant to be. And I found myself that the more confident or comfortable I am in myself, the more I actually allow my children to have their self-directed learning, mm. the more unschooling yeah. we've become. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, yeah. I hear you that I think so much of it too. Yeah. We, we want to, and it's I, I, that inside of capturing the charmed life and that's what you chose and how we do those um, you know, we create many times, sometimes I guess the holes we wanted to fill or what we maybe didn't have. And therefore we want our children, you know, we, you know, we compensate or try to fill that in to make sure that they aren't experiencing the same thing or that they're not missing out on the same thing. So yeah, it's, it's still, I mean, even knowing that it's still a practice for me constantly. Yeah, I think, yeah, it is. And actually, that, that was the premise of my book, The Homeschool Mama Self-Care, um, mm -hmm. was more about thought-related practices than it is about the physical practices, which, I mean, I'm all about Netflix and dark chocolate. But actually, I <laughs> watch 15 minutes of Netflix and fall asleep. But in theory, <laughs> I'm all about Netflix and dark chocolate and insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> which I rarely do. Uh, but I love that idea of doing all those lists of things that would be fun for self-care. But I think the most important is how we frame things, how we see things, challenging our uncomfortable thoughts. And as human beings, we all have them. As uh, homeschool moms, sometimes we, everyone has different ones, of course, we're all different. But there are clusters of discussions that I find with other homeschool moms, like, 
um, like we were talking about perfectionism, that idea of creating the perfect education mm -hmm. or um, not being overwhelmed because we are trying to create the perfect education right? <laughs> or include everything in our world or we're feeling like what we're doing isn't as good as somebody else or, um, you know, dealing with anger issues like we were talking about projecting certain things onto our kids so that could come in many forms of uncomfortable feelings or doubt that we're doing the right thing or all those kinds of feelings are constant discussions I have with other homeschool moms so learning to frame and reframe and challenge our instinctive feelings when you talk about meditation I think that is one of the biggest ones that I've learned as well meditation really does help me to distance my sense of what I'm thinking to what is true or is it reframable? Is yeah, that a source yeah. of med meditation as a source or a benefit towards that for you or how has meditation been useful for you? Yeah, very much so. I think meditation brings me into the present. It brings me into my my current body because I, I'm a person who I can always be thinking. I like to make lists and take notes and I could do that forever and ideas form. And, you know, I want to create, you know, okay, in a month, in six months, in a year. And, you know, my head could always be turning and, you know, I see, Oh guys, guess what? You know, I can get excited about something. And, you know, for me to still my mind, <laughs> that is definitely the practice. That's what it brings the biggest thing for me is stilling my mind and remembering that as much as I think I, I can worry about the future and try and plan to worry less about the future in the end, it's just about right now because it's that whole, the future may not be there. You know, I don't know. I don't have power over that. Um, and it's, you know, I think a lot of the planning too is the whole aspect of controlling things and letting go of control. And then again, just being present, being here, and that, yeah, I just have to let go. You know, that's the biggest thing, just letting go and trusting. And that's the big thing of meditation for me. Yeah. Yeah, that is really good. Yeah, I wish, um, yeah, I think my children would wish that I was more controlling when it came to time management or being present. <laughs> I don't meditate for that reason, as they know. <laughs> I can be there in the moment. And I'm like, oh, wait, I've got two minutes. I should probably go do the thing I was supposed to do that'll take me 20 minutes to get to. <laughs> and yet I'm like you. I write all the lists and I've got all the plans and I love the pop popcorn of ideas that come bubbling or popping out. A lot of fun. And something I've done yeah. as a, a mom is actually recognize that those, uh, like you were saying, that those little opportunities for following our own rabbit trails is really a great example to our kids of what we are always touting, lifelong learning. We want to teach our children lifelong learning. And when we're doing it right in front of them, then they do it. Then it's naturally caught. It's not just taught. We don't have to tell them to go do something cool and unschooly. <laughs> they just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They they do do it, or they yeah they 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 eventually find their way into it. Yeah, for sure. It's it's um yeah. Again, I think it's that setting that framework and modeling and and then allowing that space to do that. So, have there been a few unexpected challenges along the way 
in how you, you know, understand yourself as a mom during your homeschool story? Yeah, of course. Yeah, there are. You know, I think the challenges are, I mean, there's always challenges. (laughs) One of the challenges is that things change. And so sometimes you think you have figured it out and overcome it. And then there's a shift and it's kind of like, oh, there's a different aspect I didn't see before or is something new. Um, one of the things for me and on that line is our kids grow and develop and change. And I think with that, it brings new challenges. It brings new changes uh, and it's learning and adapting what to their needs and wants because of their age and that development process. And what happened for me is that in this journey, in this self-directed life learning journey as well, um, and especially because it's not following the same path that I did when I was younger, you see certain times and stages in them that, that I, I see myself and that I think, oh, okay, you know, maybe I might have an upset or something. And I think, when I stop to reflect on it and I, I realize that it's just something that's come up at this time that has reminded me of myself at that age or a situation I was involved in at that age that maybe wasn't ever resolved or didn't happen as I felt it should. Or, you know, so my reaction is again the same or it's a reaction based on that, not necessarily on my child or what they're doing. So yeah. I think that's been one of the biggest challenges and, and keeping that as a reminder um, that, you know, sometimes it's just me reacting because of my own things or history and it's not necessarily even relevant sometimes to what is in the moment or what my child is experiencing for themselves. So true. So true. Yeah. Parenting and that close um, partnering, partnering relationship helps us to reflect or we, we see in the mirror us. So, you know, we're talking about projecting, but I, as a mom or going into motherhood, I really just thought I was going to do a bunch of cute things with like a (laughs) three-year-old and it was going to stay fixed there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Up to the age of seven is good. Yeah. (laughs) And then after that, I mean, I have a daughter who's 19 and I have a 17-year-old that's going to be graduating next year. Right. Yeah. 15-year-old wants to go to high school, public high school next year if they do that. Um, and then my youngest is 11. So in theory, he's still young, but like you have an 11 year old, I have an 11 year old after three, 11 year old boy after three teenage or girls. girls. Yeah. <laughs> so in some ways, I don't know what he picked up and what part he was coming into the world with. But his full-on teenager <laughs> about a year ago. <laughs> and you know, all of that, it's been very informative that a, you know, parenting is not just a three-year-old, cute little three-year-old on a playground for an hour, two hours in an afternoon. It's the biggest thing for me that I've learned is I'm going to see myself in a way that I was not wanting to see myself. And it's just the yeah. thing you were saying, um, the things that I didn't put to rest before I became a parent and uh, yes. like, yeah, all the things that you were saying. Yeah. Really challenging yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's, I, I don't like, no one told me that. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, you know, so, you know, no, I didn't, I had never heard that until I was experiencing it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not always easy in that way. But it also, the nice thing about it, though, that I have 
and it's taken time for this to happen too, is I have a better appreciation of my own parents. Oh, yeah. And I think it's taken up until like, I'm 43 years old. And, you know, oh, yeah. it's, yeah. <laughs> Three years so older. That, are you, are you three, yeah. <laughs> You're a little bit older than me, just yeah, a little bit. So <laughs> we know the same songs in the 1980s. Yes, the 1980s. we do. We yeah. do. We, we do. even lived yeah. in the same area. The same fashion. Old. Yes. <laughs> Watching the same TV channels. And yes, we did. It yes. was four o'clock on KXLY. Yes. <laughs> yes. I remember KXLY. That's right. Yeah. Did you have Degrassi too? I mean, we are Canadians. Oh, yeah. so did you have Degrassi? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yep. Degrassi was a huge point. Video in, I think in our. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right that's right yeah well you all those ahead. we want your young wisdom yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but I think that it, it took time you know it's um yeah to see for my to see my parents in a different way too and to better understand like maybe I was I think anger is always something that you deal with and you grow up with sometimes to practice letting go but just for me to understand, okay, so I can see why my parents responded in this way, or maybe now I have a better understanding of this is where they were, and right. they were just doing the best they could with where they were and the tools that they had and what they knew and understood and experienced. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it gives me a really different viewpoint on my parents. And, you know, I am, you know, I'm thankful that they are still here for me to build a relationship, a better relationship with them because of that now as well. And I, I mean, I hope that they say that they find me a bit more understanding <laughs> because of it. But um, yeah, that that is the benefit that I am happy with now. And I don't, I couldn't even say I really experienced that even five years ago compared to to now. It's something that in the last few years I've come to appreciate more. Maya Angelou has a quote that I will misquote, but in essence, it is you do the best that you can with what, like you made the choice and you made that choice or you did that thing because that is what you knew to do. And, yes. you know, we're all on a growth curve. We're all learning different things. I actually was just chatting with one of my girls about this, and it's very interesting to hear somebody that young grappling with these ideas that you as a, at a certain point you recognize that your parents were just doing what they could in that moment and doing the best mm -hmm. that they could and then at a certain point you just have to take on the mothering or the parenting of yourself for yourself and let that go let go that idea that those parents are supposed to do that thing for you when you're 46 yes. or 31 <laughs> And, and then finally decide that, you know, you, they're just people. And then you just have to accept them in whatever capacity you're able to engage them. And yeah, that was interesting to have that discussion with a 19 year old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty amazing that your daughter at 19, that you're having that discussion with her. I don't think I was even close to that discussion when I was 19. I so certainly was not. Amazing. No. Yeah. I also think, though, it's because she has actually grappled, well, partly it's her personality, but she's also grappling with how I didn't show up in a way that I should have shown up. I don't know. Mm. I shouldn't speak for her, maybe, but she is a very deep, deep kid, no question. Got a lot of conversation with her. Um, mm. Which is nice, which is, you know, it's, I can see yeah. how it would be confronting, but oh, so oh. powerful and valuable. 
Yes, she is very confronting. <laughs> but she is a powerful, like she's always been very independent. I think I mentioned, mentioned this to you on your podcast, but day two, I could just see very strong person. And that's, of course, looking back. Um, the first day I spent the entire night staying up, staring at her. So I'm a mom. I'm so excited. I'm a mom. And then I didn't sleep for the next seven years or something. <laughs> bad choice. (laughs) Yeah. But when it comes to her sense of independence, though, I think that was always in her. I've got four kids and she is by far the most independent, I think. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But the others are um, very independent as well. It's funny as a self-directed learning family or an unschooling family, we are fostering that, but we're not expecting them to be independent from us. And then at a certain point, they start thinking in ways outside of how we think. And that's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a place of not necessarily confronting as much as separate. And yet it's beautiful yeah. at the same time because they are truly taking on the thing that you're teaching them. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's what, you know, in some ways I think we so want them to develop their independence and support their independence and, and have that. But then when they actually do, and it's their own idea, it's not something that is even close to our own idea. It's at first, it's like, Oh, you know, you almost want to go against it (laughs) until you remember, Oh, okay. This is actually, this was the point. This is what I wanted them to experience and to say, you know, have the idea for themselves and to express it for themselves. It just won't always agree with, with what I'm thinking or, or maybe even want, but you know, that's what they want and are clear about. So like, that's part of the journey supporting them on that too. And then it's, again, it's speaking to our sense of wanting to control things or to keep things the way that we imagined that this story would go. Yes. And yeah. then recognizing, like we talked in the beginning, that the goal is to be present, to be right here, right now. Instead of, okay, right here, right now, but I've got my list of things that I have to do. And are you fitting in, you know, you child, are you fitting into the things that I want to do today? And we are going to have fun, but we are going to have fun between four and four forty-five because I've got yes. <laughs> certain activity planned. I'm laughing because that could be me too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I speak from experience. <laughs> And I really love it, actually. I do have to say, going back to discussion on learning, our pursuit of learning, I think our pursuit of learning as a homeschool mom is a form of self-care. And not only are we showing them how to life learn, but we're also bringing them along in activities that we love. And so we're sharing moments or memories with them that we love. Of course, we have to stop and actually do that in reverse. We have to do those things that they love. I actually was like wondering for the longest time, why doesn't my son, he's 11 and he's, he's loved chess for a long time. Why, why doesn't he ask me to play chess? And I said that to my husband and my husband's looking at me like, oh, I got an answer. <laughs> you hate it. And I'm like, right. Okay. So <laughs> things that each of my children love to do. And I'm really, really bad at it too, Robin. <laughs> my husband and my son do not appreciate <laughs> me calling that one, what is it called? A horsey? <laughs> I forget the name of the piece. <laughs> Anyways, that's the, why. I'm- uh, oh, I, my son. Is it the rook or? Yeah. No, that's no, not even. Yeah. I know my, son, my son loves chess too. He would be like, oh, mom, you should remember this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm out. I will play basic rummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 4 to 4.45 is game time. No, not really. We have to find things that are fun with our kids <laughs> as well as the things we love. But showing them the stuff that we love, I think, has has a powerful effect, just like you said, um, uh, showing them lifelong learning. When I talk about homeschool self-care, what is the first thing that you think of? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> homeschool self-care. Um, homeschool you know, it's, it's interesting. Homeschool mom self-care. Well, when, we, when I add the mom into it, homeschool mom self-care, I think about taking time for the mom, for the individual mom, which then extends to the rest of the family, which then extends into the homeschool. Um, it, it, I think it, it can be all encompassing, but I, I definitely, for me, and this is just my opinion, I feel it's important that the mom has that individual self-care and then the rest, like the dominoes, everyone else becomes provided for and everyone else becomes cared for as well. Because if you're running on your last 2%, you know, and you wake up and you then are down to 1%, who, who's going to get that? And then you're done kind of thing, right? That, that your cup is completely empty. So that's what I, that's what I think of. And I think for everybody, it's individual. It will vary. You know, you and I may have some, some parts that are similar for each other, but I still think there's some things that would be important to you that may not be on my list or may not be as a bigger priority. And for others, something else might be, you know, even more important that I might not have even thought of, but that fits for them. So it's also finding, taking the space to find what is important to fill you up or to you know, help your foundation grow or to give you that strong foundation and keep it stable too. I think I've been surprised that when I talk about what you just said, that homeschool moms often say, I I don't have an identity outside of homeschool mom. And that there's an aversion. It's easy to, I hate to say it's easy to, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I would have said the same thing, uh, you know, a number of years ago and then came to realize that I was so enmeshed in that identity they grow up, life changes. And also, you know, when they disappear, or when they leave, I should say, hopefully they don't disappear. But when they leave, (laughs) then there we are. Uh, Homeschooling the neighbors? I'm not sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Because it's, again, it's all encompassing. It's what fills our days, our weeks, our years. And when it's no longer there, then what do we do? It's so true. I, and that is the importance of, you know, again, we we're talking about setting the example and modeling and having those things for ourselves too. That's also why it is important because there'll be a time when you're no longer homeschooling, you know, you're still learning and sure you're, you know, your, 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 your mothering becomes different because they're either not living at home anymore and there's different things happening in their life and your life. But yeah, it's, it, it, all things come to an end eventually. So how do we carry forth from that end and have a new chapter or extend the chapter? I mean, it, it's different for everyone, but yeah, it's important to have that separateness as well. I remember you saying in your bio that your um, the value of community became stronger for you when you uh, began homeschooling and traveling. Can you share about that? Yeah, I think, well, one, because 
because we started homeschooling, my community changed or, or what I needed for my community changed. It's very different when you're working, going, your kids are going to school. A lot of times a school, a lot of the extension of the school becomes your community as well. And when your kids are all on the same schedule, when you can organize play dates, when maybe the moms can get together, when you're doing things with work or other friends like that, your home, when you have those ideas around homeschooling or self-directed learning, especially coming from a traditional conventional school setting, it's a little bit different. <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't always mesh. Sometimes your ideas evolve and change and it might seem strange even to others. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, where, you know, why aren't you putting them back in school? Or what about the, you know, it, it's, it's, it can be conflicting sometimes. So I think the community for me, my community started changing. And then on top of that, we were traveling. So there was a whole new community I had to meet. In Jamaica, it was different because I had a really hard time finding other homeschoolers. And I searched really hard. It was, you know, it was over eight years ago. And even now blogging and websites for homeschool weren't as many even at that time. So I, when I was looking online for ideas and information and things like that, it was, it, there was not as much. And then in Jamaica, the homeschooling community, as far as I knew, was pretty non-existent. And the ones I didn't meet, their kids were already grown or, you know, it just... I, we didn't have anyone in that community. So I really wanted to have other homeschoolers and homeschool moms that I could ask questions to that I could say, Hey, you know, did, did this happen to you? Or I'm feeling this way, or I need help with this. Uh, and I was looking for that and I couldn't find it. Otherwise we had a community that was my family and friends from, you know, when I was a child, I lived in Jamaica, you know, my kind of back and forth. And so, you know, I had that, that community, but it was still, it wasn't the homeschooling community. So I was really, really looking for the community because of that. Cause I felt like I didn't have that at the time when I really, really needed it as the new homeschool mom. And I think for other homes, it is important for other homeschool moms to somehow find that community. When we went to Korea after Jamaica, I did have a community. There were, um, there were more homeschoolers there. I mean, the population is just that much bigger too. Jamaica has what, 3 million and the city of Seoul and surrounding areas, almost as, as many people as all of Canada. So, you know, it's still a small percentage, but I, I got onto a Facebook group, home, uh, I think Korean homeschoolers. And I think my husband actually got onto it first because he knew <laughs> that I really, what I was searching for too. And, um, he, I think he had said, hey, we just moved to Seoul. Are we homeschooled? Our kids are this age. This is the neighborhood we live in. Does anyone, you know, does, does anyone need some friends this age or want to get together? And there was somebody that reached out right away that lived not far. And she had some, like her kids were, her son and my son were similar ages. And then it grew from there. And I met more families or other moms on uh, through that page. And I ended up having, we ended up becoming a very tight knit homeschool community. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a bunch of families that they were my closest friends there. And there's some, you know, I still am in touch with them and we were all in different stages of our journey and styles, but it just, you know, uh, it was a great community for me at that time. And it really helped me go forward with homeschooling. And um, yeah, I think I, because of that, I think it also encouraged me to continue homeschooling because it, it rejuvenated me having 
those friends and those people and the and my friend my kids had those friends too and we did things every single week and we chatted and we talked about our frustrations and our you know all those sort of things our joys and yeah it was really strengthening and um once i had that then i wanted to keep it i wanted to continue that mm-hmm. no matter where i was yeah Homeschooling has taught me that people are not homogenous. You know, I expected they are not yeah. having left school and going into the homeschool world. My oldest was only um, finishing grade two and my second finished kindergarten. And we went into the homeschool world. And I remember thinking, okay, where's the group that we're going to sign up to see on, I don't know, Tuesday afternoon. And it, it wasn't like that. And I'm, there were actually quite a few people that I knew at that time, uh, quite a few families, more so than the community that I'm living in now, uh, that were homeschooling. But it taught me, forced me to learn that no one actually is homogenous. We just sign up for the same activities when we have kids in school. We have to sign the same consent forms. We have mm. to show up at 3.30 to pick up the kids or whatever. But we're not the same there either. But as homeschoolers, we definitely assert our separateness because we're all focusing in our families in different ways and we're all engaging education differently and we have very different children so we focus on them separately and you know we have differences we get comfortable with being different and I know for myself now my friendship circle is if you were to take a look I mean it's wide it's very broad. I love listening to people's yeah. stories. Now that we're not traveling, I love listening to people's stories as though I'm traveling. Yes, it's our way to travel. <laughs> exactly. And it's cheap. Yeah. It's, especially podcasting. That's a great <laughs> it is a lot cheaper. <laughs> I, I marvel at all the comments about kids, you know, worries about kids socialization, though, because like you, I, I've heard you say that you had a lot of extracurricular activities for your kids before COVID. Yeah. And so did we, we did a lot of driving. And but I, I recognize that I spent a lot of time driving to and from dance class and to and from curling yes. choir or dot, 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 dot. And so I think sometimes you should be more concerned about the mother's homeschooling socialization than the kids. Yeah, yeah but you got it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have to be quite intentional about our community. But I find it's far more organic or far more authentic, or at least the way I've, I've walked that path. Um, so then I have real connections with people that I can depend on and mm. that I can have some pretty serious conversations with. But that's built, and that definitely is built on authenticity. And yeah. it's a beautiful thing. It's actually been a challenge because I don't think our culture is naturally like that. Um, but, but we definitely have the opportunity to create real community, I think. Yeah. You know, the other thing Ed, that you had just said, and it made me think, and I think it's a really good point. There's a few things you said that I was like, yes, that's right. That's right. But um, the idea of school and that, you know, I think also what's hard is that school wants, you know, wants the homogeny. It encourages the homogeny. And we are not homogenous, but yet we go to this institution for a large part of our life. And the parents are very involved with this institution too, that pushes the homogeny. And so we all try, even the parents I find start, try to conform to fit into that circle box, whatever you want to call it. And so when you leave that world where everybody signs the same consent form, goes on the same activities, has the same schedule, the time, sometimes makes the same lunches, 
the kids and parents wear the same kind of clothes, you know, you name it, sometimes goes on the same vacations and vacation spots. It's, you know, sometimes works in the same places as well. You know, it's, you step out of that and then, you know, I think you are so used to that. Then again, you think it's going to be the same. You think it's going to continue to be homogenous. You have to continue that conforming. And then you slowly realize, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, like you said, so different. So many different people, children. And, but the difference is there's more space to be your own self. And there isn't that adjustment in that as well, for sure. And then the other thing that you said is so true is the socialization of the parents, of the mother. That's homeschooling. You know, people worry so much about the child, but even sometimes when we're driving them to activities, sometimes because it might be a certain time we sit in our car and read a book or something, or you went to the grocery store or, you know, you do little errands yet. You're not doing, you're, you're not socializing necessarily. So you miss out on that. So yeah, so many, so many things. (laughs) And learning to be dependent, um, not everybody has a partner homeschooling, but when we're dependent on just that one person, that's also like, it's powerful and it's useful and it's good. And at the same time, there has to be a broader community than just that one person. Besides Mm -hmm. the fact that there's a lot of expectation for that person to help you, you know, get adult conversation at the end of the day, (laughs) when they might have had adult conversation all day. So what yeah, kind of self-care right. challenges or um, scenarios are you in right now that you're, you're working on? <laughs> I have challenges. I think COVID really became such a upturn, you know, turn things around that um, I, I might, I'm trying to get back into my meditation process, pra- practice. Uh, and just because I used to be very regular with it and it dropped off. And I find that it's a great... Uh, grounding for me every day, great way to to really start my day. And so getting back into that. The other thing, ironically, with COVID, even though we're home, my um, I, I really, I like to be active and exercise. And um, I haven't been doing that as much. <laughs> That's fallen on the wayside. And I sleep better. There's so I'm just, you know, so many things for me when I move my body, I'm in movement, that, um, yeah, those practices are very important that I know work very well for me have slipped away a bit. And so that's something that is a challenge that I'm, I'm trying to reestablish those habits. Well, if you're in my uh, part of the woods, then you should definitely join me on a hike because we do it at least once a week. Love it. Yeah. It's life giving. I think that's well, where you live is so nice to hike too. Yes. I would love to. It is a lovely place to be especially during the COVID thing. I mean, except that my husband is a physician and he's in eMERGE and he's been the chief of staff of the hospital. I might not have noticed that COVID was happening, but it's a beautiful, (laughs) beautiful place. Of course, I did notice because of that, but uh, it is really a beautiful place. But I mean, going for hours of hike or of a hike up a mountain and not actually see anyone is... I, there's something about being outside and exercise that is very life-giving for myself. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. We we didn't have uh, the weather coincided with a little bit of the darkness of the times, it seemed like, and it was cold and rainy, and, you know, the, I think that was part of it. But now, I mean, summer's here. It's still a little bit rainy, but it's nicer, and gardening, like I've 
you know, I'm, I always have my garden and I getting my hands in the soil and, and watching it grow, but being outside, absolutely the sunshine and I, I, my vitamin D, I'm a, a big sun person. So yeah, that is an important thing in the fresh air. Me it's too. Wonderful. Yeah. Love it. What advice would you give someone just starting out homeschooling? Mm. And there's a um, few, there's a few more homeschoolers now and there certainly will be for the fall. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I used to have, Oh, you should do this and you should read this. And now actually the biggest thing, because I find I'm going back to it. And when I have, it's really helped still is actually just taking the time to even have a journal, to sketch it out, to, to go on a walk and think about it. Really your purpose of homeschooling and what learning means to you and your experiences of education and school for yourself growing up, really thinking about those things and getting clearer. Maybe you might not ever get decisively on what it is. Maybe you will, but really getting a better understanding of those things. That would be my advice to go there first and, you know, really understand more of your why, because all of those other things, your what's and your how's, and if you're worried about curriculum or any of those other things, if that's something you really want to do, all of that will be an easier decision. You'll, it will be a lot more contentment in the home when you come from that place of understanding, understanding your why and purpose, and then also engaging in that with your family. So not just as a mom or parent understanding that, but then also then extending the asking your kids, you know, what does learning mean for you? What does it look like? Why are, why, why do you think we would be doing this in our life? Because then you move forward together as well. And then they have an understanding too of where you're coming from and your ideas too. So that would be my advice actually now. I got to tell you, there is a paragraph in my book. I've got 50,000 words of a book um, that's loosely called self-directed learning. That's actually how I got to know you last year. It's because I was Googling that word. I thought I like came up with something inspired and discovered. No, 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 no. It's, it's avid. People have taken that <laughs> name and run with it. Um, but, you know, I actually came across your podcast because of that. So what you just said, I'm like, Amen. Exactly. I'm with you 100%. What is an education anyways? Let's just talk about that for 10 years before we start homeschooling. <laughs> yeah. Get out of that schooling mindset. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah Amy, wow. that's what you could talk about it for 10 years. It's true. <laughs> and I'm still learning to de-school. Like people say, well, you should de-school first. But I'm like, oh man, I did six years post-secondary school. I married someone that did postgraduate school. We are yeah, solidly locked into med mental academics, you know, I was sharing um, in a zoom uh, library thing, a local library thing about what is an education anyways. And I think I scared them when I said, you know, you decide what the education is for the child. You only need a library card and you need to know how to read. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a few people that dropped off at that point. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I have six years of post-secondary school, so I know how to read. Uh, apparently not read the room. <laughs> <laughs> an education anyways I think but you know you you sit and have a chat with people long enough and then you go so what was your experience in education and, and did were there any holes in your or gaps in your education and I have yet to meet anybody that said yeah no I'm like up there with God or Google <laughs> <laughs> 
It's true though, right? I've never met anyone. I've yet, and you know the thing, I also used to work for a private school. I did their admissions and their public relations. And, but you know, one of my jobs was to take prospective parents on a tour of the school and to introduce them to the environment. And, and it was a great school. It was actually the school that my kids had also attended too for a little bit. And it was small. It was, you know, pretty, you know, the kids actually had quite a bit of say and projects and things that they could do. It was still fairly academic. And so many times I felt that, and I don't know what it, maybe just the place I was into and also my position there, but so many times the tour came up, came to the parents really just like opening up about their personal schooling experiences. And, you know, sometimes it was not a nice, you know, sometimes they were quite traumatic, actually. And I think maybe being in that setting, the school was very warm and comfortable, too. And, you know, the kids did feel like when you walked around, you, like, the kids were usually quite engaged and happy and content. And, and um, you know, so I think it triggered a lot of things for parents that were visiting. And so they many times would recount the things that had happened to them where they had experienced. And, you know, now this has happened because or and it was, you know, that part, it was very interesting for me to hear um, and to see that, yeah, there is not one person who said, you know, some people would be like, well, you know, I still turned out fine, despite all of that. Or, you know, I did okay, you know, and yeah, it was it was very interesting. And and then as a homeschooling parent and then with with my podcasting and I do help um, consult and coach parents now too more and more and even with my trustee work, I hear I continuously like I hear a lot of those stories too. Mm-hmm. And um a lot of parents share a lot of intimate details about what happened in their educational experience that you know some are still working through. I think we're all actually working through it in a way, but yeah, it's it's, yeah, I, I, that could be a whole other book on some of the anonymous experiences that people share on how it has shaped and affected them because it does. And I just think it shapes and affects our whole society as well. And though I obviously think that homeschooling is an incredible path that frankly, I don't think kids necessarily always see because that's all they see, but we aren't providing them with utopia, just like we didn't get utopia when we signed up for homeschooling. Right. There isn't perfect. There will never be perfect. It would be nice if we could think that there was, but we know that there's not. I mean, we get signs along the way, but it's not perfect, Mm -hmm. but we are the, the greatest advocate. And we know those kids in a way that no one knows them, even though we may be projecting onto them, (laughs) but we still Mm -hmm. are the greatest advocate. And we listen to them more than anybody else could. So then I think we are providing them a pretty, you know, really close to spot on opportunity for learning or growing into who they're meant to be. But I'm really excited to hear that you're doing coaching. Um, uh, so what is your coaching business about? Or how are you approaching your coaching? How can people access that? Uh, well, they can contact me through my website or um, through my other through email, robin at imhomeschooling.com, or through Facebook or Instagram, through social media, you can message me. Um, I'm taking it, I I have done a small amount of coaching before, but it's been very um, kind of selective and slow, just, you know, what one-on-one, and um, I haven't, it hasn't been a huge 
you know, a huge thing. Um, and, and it will continue to be, uh, I'll, I'll be person by person, um, but they can contact me through there. And I, that's, that's the other thing is really understanding as well uh, a parent's purpose and where they're going and supporting them through that. You know, I like to really help parents understand that, you know, it isn't um, you come and it's a program that is you follow step by step and you're going to get this result as long as you check off all these checks and checklists. It's going to vary still for each parent, but sometimes we just need that support and guide and a sounding board through the process as well to yeah. help figure out our purpose. And, and as well to remember as we go on that that purpose is going to evolve and change too, and that that's okay. And, but then sometimes there are some tools that will help us through journaling and act, reflection and communication with our family that will help us move through it a little bit more smoothly. So, so where can we find you online? Uh, you can go to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids on Facebook, my Facebook page there. Uh, I have an Instagram at Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My website as well, my podcast is, you can find me there if you want to listen to, I think I, it was my 77th episode that came out today. Um, and it's actually imhomeschooling.com, but you can still reach it through Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My podcast, you can find on any podcast player, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, really anyone, Podbean, anyone that you, uh, you usually use, you can find my podcast there. So if you want to contact me personally through my website is a great way as well. I have a contact page or my email. My email is on there too, but it's robin at homeschooling.com. I see, we know we're in the same generation because, honey, I'm homeschooling the kids as a takeoff from, honey, I, I shrunk the kids. Shrunk the kids, that's right. Yeah, wasn't it Rick Moranis, I think? Yes, yeah. that's right. I love that. I've watched and watched and watched that one. And now I understand why he tried to shrink the kids on Sundays. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Actually, my kids watched it years ago and they loved it still, so... First of all, I want to say that I could do this every week, and it seems to me, I have a chat with you, and I, it seems to me every time I listen back to a podcast interview, I say that to each of my guests, so what I think I'm really doing, because it's actually true, I really do want to do this every week with specifically you, is that each of the people that I'm choosing, I just really like them. <laughs> and then I get to hang out with them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's fabulous. <laughs> to socialize. I know. I know. <laughs> it is. So, I agree. I agree. Well, I think once you and I connected, it's, this, yeah, I think we were meant to connect. And, you know, I think our cross paths without, without, our paths cross without us even realizing it. We have so many things in common too that, and people in common in that way in areas that, yeah, yeah. We need to hang out more for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to hear some of the fun kind of questions that I've got for you is what your, what is your favorite fun self-care strategy in your ideal world? Maybe <laughs> not COVID world, <laughs> not COVID world. Um, my fun. Well, you know what? I, I really like, uh, my, my husband and I like have, you know, there's, that's another thing too, is we like having some fun date days and going out and just doing, you know, whatever, sometimes it's actually just a movie in or going on some kind of adventure. Um, I, I don't do it as much anymore, but like sporadic or just on the moment road trips and, mm -hmm. and things like that are, are things I love to do. Um, 
Yeah, I am pretty, I've always been someone who's pretty well up for anything. <laughs> so, you know, if someone says, oh, should we try this? I'm usually like, yeah, I'll try it. You know, I, I'll try it at least once for sure. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to think now if there's one thing that, that stands out, but really just, you know, also where I live because it's so remote and far away from everything, the time it takes to travel anywhere, or do things kind of limits a little bit, but um, yeah, even things around hiking and, um, you know, being outside is the biggest thing. We're actually building an outdoor sauna right now. Oh, So nice. we're going to spend, yeah, we're going to spend over. a lot of time in the winter hanging outside, just like I think coming, you know, running in the snow, rolling in the snow and then <laughs> jumping in the sauna. So that should be fun. So those pictures I won't be able to show on social media, but um, yes, that, that's what I'll be doing the, a lot of. Get the kids with a camera. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to blot out some parts of the picture, but yeah. <laughs> so what's an identity that's entirely outside your homeschool mom identity? An identity out- entirely outside my homeschool mom identity. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, no, I'm like drawing a blank on this one. <laughs> Ironically, that's hilarious, Sam. <laughs> you're you're an FBI agent, and you cannot report at this time. Yeah, I can't. I can't say a word. Yeah, <laughs> born identity. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. If only. Yeah. If only. I'm feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Top secret. There's some top secret things for sure. So you know, really me, like. Huh? Tell me what you're doing on a Friday night. On a Friday night, uh, usually a Friday night is hanging out with friends, hanging out with my family. You know, the thing actually I love to do is, and I don't do it as much now, but I do it more in my kitchen is dance. So I love like, I, you know, I, I, I used to love going out and dancing and going to different places and, and checking out, you know, those places. And, you know, that was something that um, I did a lot of before. And now it's a bit more of a quiet life. But I think that's probably, you know, depending where I would be, that would still be an identity of, you know, I'm, I, uh, I, I like to have, you know, I like to have fun and, and do things like that. So yeah, that you would catch be- me dancing to a uh, bad guy. <laughs> Oh yeah, Billie Eilish. Yeah, you can see me. I mean, she's a homeschool kid, right? Like she is, absolutely. Yeah, she that is. That's the reason, of course. <laughs> is there anything you want to share with the audience or with our listeners before we close? I think really. <laughs> well, I actually wanted to say thank you for having me on. I do love chatting with you, and um, I think you're just always a lot of fun to chat with. And I think it's it's great. I, I think we both smile and laugh a lot through it, which is really appreciate. I appreciate it a lot. I had a lot of fun. So thank you. I'm just oh, no, I, I thought it was gin that you liked, actually. I didn't know it was tequila. I thought it was gin. That was, well, gin is for that winter. was what you enjoyed. Tequila is for summer. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 <laughs> I'll have to remember that. Okay. Um, that, that is one thing, actually, I, and this is totally on the side and maybe for the prior question that I used to love doing is uh, my husband was a bartender when we were younger. And I, we used to love making drinks. And one of my favorite drinks was called a Kiprioska, which is really hard to, I have never seen it in Canada. I learned it in Australia. And since we've been, been back, it, 
they don't make it the same and it's changed. But I think it's a drink that you and I would probably enjoy sitting outside in a hot Nelson summer, maybe by a lake. And but it's not tequila or gin; it's vodka usually. Okay. In it, so willing to try. Yeah. Okay, but it's good. It's really good. Fresh strawberries and fresh mint and brown mm. sugar and lots I of ice. Yes. Yeah. But other than Kiprioskas and drinks, <laughs> I'll just say, um, you know, you can find where you can find me. I, I know this has been a big change this year going for many homeschoolers for many families through the summer. It's going to be a summer transition going into the fall. But, you know, there's so many great resources, whether it's your podcast. I know you have, a, you know, you're engaging social media and, and your Facebook and your book coming out and, and same with my podcast. And there's so many resources and so much information now available that I hope everyone takes the time to explore and mm-hmm. understand that they have actually many choices. Sometimes we think we don't have any choices, but we do have choices. And it's always nice to have a choice to make and that you don't have to only be stuck in one thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I definitely encourage others to explore those areas for sure. And if there's ever any questions, you can contact me. It has been a real pleasure to chat with you and I hope we can do it again really soon. Thanks for being on and thanks for joining me. Me too. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to hear more about who you are. So come on over to my Facebook or Instagram page, Capturing the Charmed Life. My goal is to equip you with strategies to help you turn your challenges into your charms. If you want to learn more about my course, How to Homeschool 101, or my upcoming book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Thrive, Not Just Survive, head over to www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. You'll also find the show notes and links to everything you've heard in this episode. I hope you and your kids have a charmed week. And until next time, I hope you can turn your challenges into your charms. Mm-hmm.